We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind of My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Palomo joins me, as always, from Pinnacle there in Jackson. Uh, we're going to have a, it's a Monday show. We normally tape on Thursday, but we're taping on Monday today, which is perfectly fine. So uh, we'll, we'll catch you up. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope you have a great week. We appreciate you making us a part of your week. Um, before we get to Martin, I'll tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop it around. Or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. And um, Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people about what's going on at Pinnacle and how they can get in touch with you. Indeed, man. Um, glad to be back. Thanks for your flexibility. Uh, last week, I was actually on family vacation with the with all of my children uh, for the first time in about two years, having all of them together, which is pretty awesome, dude. Uh, so, but we're back in action, back in the swing of things. Um, man, summertime actually can, tends to be a little bit of a of a lull for us at the office. Uh, you know, folks are doing what what I did last week. You know. spending time with their families going on vacation kids are out of school folks are you know not wanting to talk to um to me uh so it gives us a little bit of uh flexibility and opening in our schedule so if there are folks listening that um you know want want to reach out and have a conversation see if it makes sense or or if we're a good fit with each other uh man we would we would love that opportunity uh help you put the puzzle pieces together uh, as it relates to your financial life and uh, in retirement life, you can reach us old school telephone 601-957-0323, or you can do what most people who reach out to us <laughs> do and email us at info at my wealth.com. All right. I have something I want to ask you about. I've been wanting to ask okay. you this for a, a while, and it always kind of slips my mind because we get talking about other things and we get real caught up on current things, but just perfectly fine but it's in the news here lately um there's a video that has emerged 
and the video may be old. I'm not sure, but it's the first time that people have kind of seen it. And it's where some of the CEOs or executives, I should say, at BlackRock uh, admit that they are, quote, forcing, end quote, ESG and DEI initiatives. Obviously, there's been a lot of um, headlines out there lately about the the marketing campaign at Bud Light, the yep. you know um, the marketing campaign at Target. Even Chick Fil A was not immune from this, where it came out that they invested pretty heavily in DEI stuff, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. ESG stands for Environment Social Government, if you're wondering what yep. all these things stand for. Um, there are people that say, hey, if your company doesn't score high with ESG, with DEI, that you, you BlackRock and Vanguard and companies like this can absolutely put you under. And they basically admit this out loud. So I'm curious. If someone like me came to you and said, hey, Martin, you know, I don't really want my 401k investments going to support BlackRock to Vanguard. Yep. Would I even be able to do that? Number one. And then number two, if a company said, you know what? We really don't care if BlackRock picks us up or not. We're going to go off and do our own thing. We trust our own. We trust ourselves. How badly hurt would they be if they didn't have the backing of BlackRock and Vanguard? Well, all right. So we're gonna. That was a, that was a lot of questions that were kind of asking. Yeah. You know, in that one, in yeah. that one space. So, so we, we can we can attack them one by one. However you want to do. Yeah. It. Let's let's attack them one by one first. Let's kind of break out DEI and ESG, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here on both of these on both of these things. Okay. So, I don't know that that like diversity, uh, you know, in the workplace is 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 a bad thing per se. No, 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 no um, absolutely not. So, like, I think that there are, I think that there's really good like, and I'm not even talking about just I'm not talking about white males. I'm talking about you know there are really good folks who like in my case, you know, I mean Hispanic heritage background, um, but I don't think that we should choose people based off of you know, whether they check a box of, Hey, do I have a, and sorry for, you know, if, if this, uh, gets a little bit, uh, touchy, I'm just going to not filter at all. But if I said like, Hey, I'm looking for a gay transgender black female to check a box. And I don't care whether that gay transgender black female is actually capable of doing the work then we're disservicing ourselves. But if I look through and I say like, Hey, I need a, and let's just talk about my industry because my industry very much tends to be white males. Just, just generally speaking. Um, You know, that's not to say that like at pinnacle, if I'm trying to find, you know, an advisor uh, that I'm just looking for white males, because I would love to have more female advisors at pinnacle. I think that they bring a different, uh, dynamic to the table, a different way of looking at things, but there just aren't very many female advisors. This is a very male dominated, um, you know, industry and the females that make it in this industry are phenomenal advisors. 
you know, our partner firm, Argent, has um, a lot of female advisors, and they're huge. I mean, they're, a, they're I think, probably 300-ish people on staff scattered across 13 states. Um, just more opportunity. But, like, for my little office in Jackson, I would love to have a female, uh, you know, uh, or if there was a, a black advisor that was – you know, had a good book of business and could join our team. I would, I would love to have that too. Uh, I think I probably check the box for our firm on the, Hey, is your firm, you know, inclusive or diversified? Uh, I mean, I'm Hispanic uh, all the way at the top of the firm. Uh, I think we check that box. Although people would look at me and be like, dude, you're a white male. And I say, yeah, you're right. I have, my mother is straight up Mississippi mutt, but my father is born in Cuba. So deny me of the fact that that I don't get to claim that I'm, you know, a Cuban American, Hispanic American descent. Of course you so do. Like I, of course you do. I love to I love to be able to challenge people now. They're like, dude, you're a white male. I'm about, let me go get my birth certificate for you <laughs> real quick. And it has on there. My father's born in Cuba. But here, uh, tell me not to push back at all. But here's the thing. Yep. Here's the thing. If I'm a customer of Pinnacles. All right, I'm trusting you with my money. Yeah. With my retirement. You, yeah, you don't care what my background is. I don't give a damn. Whether you I are agree. a white male, a Cuban male, uh, African-American, female, I don't care if you're straight, if you're gay, I don't care. I as long as you can do the job. don't care. I'm trusting you with my money. And, I, and, I'm telling, I going with and, and I'm telling you this, and I know you and, you and I have talked about this privately, so I know you agree with me. I represent the mass majority on this. I don't care what you do in your bedroom. It doesn't impact me. It doesn't right. impact me at all. I don't care. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I just don't care. And, and there's a, there's a societal pushback that's coming on this from this being just forced, 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 rammed, rammed, rammed. People are like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Anyway, I interrupted. Go ahead. No. And I mean, so as I was, I was kind of just going down the pack of, I don't think that checking the box just for the sake of checking the box is the right thing to do. Now, I think that, uh, you know, given the opportunity that we have very qualified people, um, you know, we bring them on board. I don't care uh, what their gender is, what their background is, is if you can do it, then great. Because truth be told is if I had a female advisor and I have a black advisor, just very selfishly, I'm getting access to a larger network of people that are non-white male. Of course. People. I would I would love to have a deeper ocean to fish in than just the, you know, straight up white male, you know, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi uh group. You know, what? give me give me give me a bigger sea to fish in and I will take it all day long. One hundred percent. So let me skip to ESG real quick and then let's talk about the BlackRock thing. So ESG, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for, for this. I think that companies who score really high in the ESG, so environmental, social, and governance, generally tend to be really good businesses, good stewards. I'm not saying talking about from the woke side, but corporations who have good corporate governance, um, you know, that are, that are socially responsible. I'm not saying like, you know, the support, um, you know, the LGBTQ community or don't, you know, or don't support tobacco or and I'm not talking about that from a social standpoint. I'm just talking about like companies that think about, um, you know, uh, good governance, 
being a responsible corporation, um, you know, generally those tend to be well-run companies. And generally you tend to, uh, you know, have good profitability from companies that are well-run. Now, where BlackRock is trying to go with it is like saying, hey, uh, you know, we are going to, and there are the ESG folks that'll say, you know, hey, we are not going to invest in firearms. We're not investing, you know, into tobacco. We are not going to invest into, you know, gaming businesses. Um, you know, if Chick-fil-A was a public company, we wouldn't invest in Chick-fil-A because of their, you know, anti-gay stance. There are the companies like BlackRock um, that will go through that lens of saying, hey, we are only going to be, you know, try to be a left-leaning um, you know, fund that we're in, or we're going to exclude certain things because they don't align with, with our agenda. But I don't think it's fair to toss in, you know, a company, um, you know, like, let's just say like an alphabet or a Google that is a, you know, very well-run company. They are very, they are very responsible from a governance standpoint, um, you know, to, for an investor to say, well, I am not going to invest into Google or Alphabet because they score really high on the ESG, you know, scale. Um, I think you almost hurt yourself by, by saying that because you're going to exclude a lot of the really, um, you know, well-run, uh, very profitable companies. If you say, cause I've had some clients call and say, Hey, if a company has a high ESG score, I don't want it in my portfolio. And I'm like, okay, no, I'm not doing that because, if we do that, you are, all you're going to have is, uh, you know, a very watered down, poor performing portfolio. And then you're going to be pissed off at me right. because your portfolio is not performing well and you're going to fire me. So what the, what the, the best thing to do in situations like that, and listen, so I'm going to skip to BlackRock and then I'll pause and I'll let you come back and, and ask some questions. But like, you know, if someone said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I've got BlackRock in my portfolio or I have Vanguard in my portfolio and I really don't like Larry Fink at BlackRock. He pisses me off. Um, he's, you know, woke. And I believe I align with Oklahoma, Texas, and Florida. And we're firing uh, BlackRock and Larry Fink because they are trying to use all of the people's money that they are entrusted with to manage to force, um, you know, uh, proxy votes to have their way with votes. This is a really simple solution that you do with that. Uh, we just we we say, hey, we are no longer going to invest into like let's just say it's a large U.S. company mutual fund that they that BlackRock is managing. We just pull it from BlackRock and we can use what's called an SMA, a separately managed account, where I can go in and you'll see all of the individual holdings that you own stock wise instead of it just being you know BlackRock U.S. large fund. And uh, you'd see all of your individual holdings. And we could even exclude some if someone said, hey, you know what? Um, I hate BlackRock and I hate Larry Fink and I refuse to put a dollar of my money into his company. Even if it's his stock, I am not going to buy BlackRock's stock, exclude BlackRock or exclude, um, you know, uh, JP Morgan Chase or exclude Bank of America. Whoever, they, like you can get real customized with that. Now, I don't advise to start excluding a bunch of stuff because you start, you know, chipping away at your return. But if you don't, if you don't want BlackRock or Vanguard or Bank of America or JP Morgan Chase or someone like that, you know, uh, 
managing the investment piece inside of your portfolio, it's a very simple thing to do. You just got to have a conversation with your advisor. And most advisors are, are going to be willing to say, hey, you know what? I hear you. I respect that. Let's let's find a, a you know an alternative to BlackRock. Um, but you know, as far as going, you know, hey, uh, I want to exclude everything that has a high ESG score. It's almost like have you seen the cartoon of uh, there's two guys standing on a plank of wood. Uh, one of the guys is on land. The other guy is kind of hanging, you know, off of a cliff, but standing on the plank of wood. But the guy that's suspended in midair on the plank of wood is holding a gun at the guy standing on the, you know, on land on the woods head, you know, with the intent, if, if he kills him, he kills himself. Uh, so it's kind of, that's kind of a very similar situation with yeah. excluding the ESG high ESG scores. Yeah. You're going to kill those. You could kill those companies per se, but in the process, you know, you, you cause your own death. So it's not, it's a mutually destructive, uh, you know, stance or relationship. There's, there's better ways to do it than just say, I'm flushing the baby with the bath water and I don't give a shit. I had Josh Hendrickson on the other day and I asked him this. I'm curious to get your thoughts on it as well. When you see Budweiser target, take the kind of hits they've taken to their value, their worth. Yeah. Do you think those companies push back a little and say, Hey, maybe we're going too far here or do you think they're so tone deaf that do they, do they feel like, Hey, we must do these things so that we keep our score high. And if, yeah. and if, and if look, if you're Budweiser making Dylan Mulvaney, your spokesperson is an idiotic decision from a, from a bottom line standpoint, just, just that has nothing to do with transgender or any of that. It's just a stupid decision. Stupid, beyond stupid. Yeah. When you do that, it what it screams to me is, well, are you even thinking about a business anymore, or is this all about appeasing these requirements? Yeah, you know, and I kind of think with let's just talk about Bud Light for just because it's fat. That's a fascinating deal. I'm sure there will be you know Harvard Business Reviews written about what happened with Bud Light. Because let's be um, let's be clear here: the people who drink Bud Light for the most part. Their, their main audience, the people who go to the grocery store or go to the service station and grab a case of Bud Light. Right. I'm not talking about the guy that sits down at a restaurant and goes, hey, what do you have on draft? Yeah, I'll have a Bud Light. I'm not talking about that. I know yeah, the yeah. people that when they go to the beach, yep, when they, they go when they, a case of Bud Light. When they go to the pool, when they go to the lake, or the when they load up for their house, yeah. you know, the Morgan Wallen song, you loaded loaded the truck down with beer and headed down to Tuscaloosa to see the balls get beat again. Right. And he ended up taking the girl back and, you know, uh, you know, he, 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 I guess Alabama lost this time. You know, that, that <laughs> you, you picture that in your mind and that dude's drinking Bud Light. Okay. Yeah. Um, Their audience. Let's talk, let's talk out the Bud Light stuff real quick. That's kind of what I'm doing. I mean, I'm 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 just thinking out loud. Like when you when you're in the room and you're like, hey, what do we, let's do a can ad campaign here. Who who would be a really good? Who would be? Well, a I think their whole purpose was, you know, that Budweiser or InBev said, hey, let's reach a you know a younger crowd. And 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 I may be wrong about this. And if you've read different or you understand different, feel free to correct me. You know, on, in live in action in living color. 
Uh, but I know that the premise was to an attract an att- attract a younger audience. But I can't remember if it was, hey, let's attract a younger audience for just Bud Light, or like, hey, let's get a younger audience drinking Budweiser brand or family of beer. Um, and and I know that that matters, but I don't I don't know. But let's just assume that it was just the hey, we want younger people drinking Bud Light. You know, going going after the the you know the lgbtq again you look at statistically as a part of the population a very low percentage of the population there was there's probably something that they could have done from a creative standpoint you know or if they were trying to find influencers um you know find an influencer that would capture a larger percentage of your audience's attention versus um, you know, a smaller percentage of the audience's attention. But truth be told, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a statistic or an assumption out of my rear end, but I'm gonna guess it's probably pretty accurate. I would say outside of the deep south, young people are not gonna drink Bud Light no matter what Bud Light does. It probably makes more sense for them to either acquire a craft beer or create a new beer that's geared towards you know, a younger population that they own the cash flows, they own the royalties and all the cash flows too. To me, from a business standpoint, that makes more sense. I don't think that you're going to get, you know, uh, a 23 or 20, 23 or 25 year old in Seattle, Washington uh, to drink Bud Light. I just don't, no matter what you do, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. So in the process of doing that ad campaign, you alienate the base of people who, who are loyal to your product, loyal to the point of Correct. it almost being laughably loyal, like, because the beer's not very good. I mean, so when, when the people are like, <laughs> it's not. I mean, people are like, hey, I'm going to go get a case of Bud Light. It's like, have you tried anything else? And that's what I always think, you know, like. You know, and you know who should have done their commercial or who they should have had as their influencer? And it not to get them more people, but they should have just asked Kid Rock, hey, dude, you love Bud Light. Um light up our base and let's keep our Bud Light base there. Come do a, let us put Kid Rock on Bud Light. I mean, dude, all, the Bubba's all over the country. Uh, well, I mean, I was literally talking have, about a Morgan Wallen song. I guarantee you Bud Light advertises it. I, mean, I, I can't say I guarantee. I'd bet money that Bud Light or companies like Bud Light want to advertise like on Morgan Wallen's tour. On You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's your base, baby. Right. Right. I mean, when we put out demographics, when we put out demographics to potential advertisers, we're like, okay, here's here's who we get. We're this person. Yeah. We're male. We're college educated. We're right. This is this is we, we're either in your wheelhouse or sometimes I'll have or an adver- I have an advertiser potential advertiser come to me and I'm like, I don't know that that would work. And I mean, you're that's not our audience. I mean, I'd love to take your money, but <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't think you're going to be happy. Or sometimes I'm talking to someone and they're like, well, we're really looking for someone that'll get, and I'm like, that's, well, we're, that's us. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, yep. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm a little stunned still that to the point that it makes me wonder if someone at Budweiser just said, Hey, I get that this is going to piss a lot of people off, but we, we got to get some points here. That's what I wonder. And I, that makes me wonder about whether, but did they get points? I don't know, I mean, right? Do do I don't I don't know how does it how does it work? I mean, how do the how do you get the score? I mean, that's obviously diversity. I mean, Dylan Mulvaney checks a lot more boxes than Kid Rock. 
But yes, but but your base of Bud Light drinkers are Kid Rock. You're not going to attract the Dylan Mulvaney's to drink Bud Light anyway. No, I, so I, I mean, that would be like me saying, you know what, I'm Neil. I am not going to advertise with you because I really want to. I really want to target the you know ten to fifteen year old uh, people right now. Like that makes no sense. Yes, could you? You, Neil, couldn't get me in front of those people, but could someone, could I go to Nickelodeon or Disney Plus and advertise and target 10 and 15-year-olds? 100%, I could all day long. But they're never going to be my, those are not my clients. That's not my, you know, maybe in 40 years, they're my, sure, they're my client. Well, that's my but point. Today, I'm, I'm, that's my point. So if we were sitting in a room at Pinnacle and I'm at the table and we're talking about this and you're like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start advertising on Nickelodeon. I would love to think that I would be brave enough to raise my hand and go, hey, nothing against Nickelodeon, but why? That's yeah. not those people don't yeah. invest yet. They don't have any money. They're kids. What are we what, what are we what are we doing? I mean, are, are we making a 40 year long play? Because this feels kind of yeah, this, this feels kind of risky. That's and it still is not going to because they're going to by the time they would turn 40, they will have forgotten about. And us. that's what makes me wonder what happened at 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 at. Anheuser Busch, or yeah, whatever the technical term is for the company. Well, you know, did and nobody did, did nobody that, raise uh, their hand and go, "What are we doing? Wait, wait, wait a minute! This is going to, this is going to piss Bubba in quotes off. Why yeah. are we? Why are we telling the people who go and buy our beer? Which, let's be real, we're competing against Miller, and we're competing against Coors. Coors Light. Yep. And our beers, like we're all, all, all three of those beers are just kind of like whatever. The same. Yeah, they're the same I mean, they're beer, the same. basically, right? So why yeah. are we – we've built – these people buy us because of our brand. Why are we yep. going to give them the finger? Well, I'm sure Miller and Coors are over there just going, oh, my God, thank you, Budweiser. <laughs> we didn't have to do anything, and you just drove more sales for us. Thank you. I mean, InBev has lost more than $6 billion in market share. Yeah, it's real money, man. And so if you know, I'm, and if, that's, if I'm, that's the proof of you piss enough people off in mass and yeah, then, then there can be an impact to bottom line. You know, you piss a couple people off. It probably doesn't, doesn't even, you don't even notice it. It's a, it's a gnat that you don't even know is there. Yeah. But you piss a bunch of them off and you lose, you know, and especially when the dollar amounts start with B's as the, as the first letter in there, that's a, that is that is significant. So I guess I'm asking you a hypothetical here. InBev has lost. That was as of three weeks ago. So I'm going to guess that it's even more now. But we'll we'll use that number for the hell of it. Six billion dollars. I'm I'm going to guess that that uh, the board of directors notices that type of a hit. Um. Does that make them reevaluate some of the things that they do? Does it make people go, hey, maybe we've taken this. I've got where I hate this word because the word just feels like this general word, but wokeness. Maybe we've taken it too far. Maybe we should just go back to being a beer company. We make beers. We sell beer. We yeah. distribute beer. Maybe we should just go back to distributing beers and quit trying to quit trying to affect social change. Or that's I mean, my that's or, or that's that's my question. question. Or if you go back to just doing that. 
and you go back to Haley, you know what? Let's just have Kid Rock and 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 the quarterback for the, uh, Patrick Mahomes advertise our beer, <laughs> right? I mean, everybody loves football. He plays football. Simple enough. Yeah, but dude, it's also. I think it's a know your know your customer, know your audience deal, which obviously what I read, the marketing department for InBev or Anheuser-Busch is in New York City. The brewery is in St. Louis, Missouri, or the founding of the brewery yeah, is yeah. in St. Louis, Missouri. Sure. They could not be more different than, you know, uh, I mean, they're, they're polar opposites. It's a, like you kind of, it kind of makes sense to me that why, if you want to be communicating to your people, you got to know who your people are and having a marketing department in New York city also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Their marketing partner department should be in St. Louis or maybe worse. The worst case scenario, it should be in Chicago. Like I'd that put, makes sense to me. If I'm them, I'm putting my marketing department in Amarillo, Texas and making sure that I'm <laughs> appealing to the people who are buying my beer right. at the end of a day of driving on dust trails because that's that's who it is you know it's interesting you say that because i had josh hendrickson on uh, chair of economics at Ole miss and he said he didn't he didn't think it was a he, i think he agrees with what you're saying he didn't really think these decisions were made in a 100 percent political vacuum he didn't think this was right versus left republican versus democrat woke versus unwoke he thought this was class this was an elite class you know that like you said, they're in New York. They have no, I always use Grenada as the example. I don't know why I just do. These people have never spent a day of their lives in Grenada, Mississippi. If they walked into the Walmart or the, uh, pick your store. If they walked into the, the Piggly Wiggly in Batesville, Mississippi, they'd have no, they, they, would, they would probably feel like they were on a different planet than the one that they live in in their little New York circles where they run in those elite circles and they all live in a bubble and they tell each they validate each other on a daily basis. And you know what would be, how brave would it be if, you know, we could probably get more people because Dylan Mulvaney has so many followers on TikTok. Think of all the young people who would drink Bud Light because Dylan told them to, basically. That's probably what they were thinking in many ways it may actually have been an innocent mistake, if you will, a godforsakenly stupid mistake. Yep. But it makes me think that when that person said that, there was nobody in the room who'd ever spent a day in Batesville. Or, no, yeah, and when I say dude, Batesville, I don't mean literally Batesville, but think of all the Batesvilles across the country. Yeah, let's, let's just say the Deep South. Are there, there, I bet you no one looked at, you know, a pie chart that said, hey, what's the geographic location of the bulk of our Bud Light drinkers? Right. Because if they did, they would have said, oh, shit, these guys are scattered across the deep south from, you know, from West Texas all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, North you know, Carolina. Through the Carolinas. Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And down and down to the Gulf. And they would have said, you know what, if that's our target audience, who do we think would be the person that would motivate them most to drink Bud Light? And if Dylan Mulvaney was the name that came out, I would fire every single one of their asses and be like, y'all are stupid. Yeah. And we're going to start, we're starting over. So why does Target do, Target, people go to Target, why? Um, 
You go to well, Target, it's kind of an upscale Walmart in a lot of places. I was about to, I was about to say that. You go to Target, <laughs> you go to Target because you can get a lot done in one place. Ooh, right. You can get a Starbucks there too. Yeah, yeah you can get and, and, you know, you it's 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 <laughs> it's kind of it's usually clean. You, yeah. you you know, you can it's it's got the big red carts and you can just kind of you know I was in Fayetteville three weeks ago, I guess, for Campbell's graduation and we were moving Caroline from her uh, sorority house to her apartment for the summer. She has an internship this summer. And um, we had to get her into there, and turns out she didn't have any towels. And so I said, Carson and I, we, we wanted to get out of there anyway. So we were like, we'll, we'll go get towels. Where, where, should yeah. we go? where should we go? And my wife was like, go to Tuesday morning. They have discounts and stuff. And Carson and I get in the car, and we're like, no, we're, we're going to go find a Target. We're going to go to Target. And – I noticed it when I went into Target. I didn't think anything of it because I was on a mission to get towels. Yep. But had I been going to Target to look for a handful of things, I probably would have thought more about it. But the, one of the first things I saw, this is in Arkansas, not exactly the liberal bastion of, of, of the U.S., right? This is not Berkeley. Right. I walk into uh, into the store and the first thing I see is this T-shirt that says queer exclamation point, queer exclamation point, queer exclamation point. And I thought, wow, that's going to that's gonna rub a few people the wrong way. And don't get me wrong, I don't care. But I'm also sometimes wondering why. Are We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I, how do I say this? Can I, I play devil's advocate for you there real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So while you're, while you're forming your, your next thought. So I would think let's, let's just talk about Bud Light versus Target. Okay. So in Target, I could run in because Disney is the same way. And I love Disney. I don't care that there are the, you know, starting center, uh, the universe of, you know, the pride celebration on June. Like, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. You know, they're not teaching my kids uh morals and ethics that's that's my job and then i think target same way it's like if I, I there can be that stuff there but it's not it is not the only thing that it, it, that i'm going to be looking at the whole time that 
that I'm there. I can, uh, I can see it and keep on going about my business and do my stuff. But like with oh, the sure. light stuff, Dylan Mulvaney was like on every can, right? So if Bubba, and I'm just saying Bubba as a reference to their drinker, Bud Lighter, if Bubba wanted a can without Dylan Mulvaney on it, he is probably getting an expired beer uh, or he's not going to find one where he doesn't, where he's not looking at Dylan Mulvaney. So it's kind of captive. That's a great point. Regard. It's like, it's in your face and there's nothing that you can do about it. And, but you, can, Target, you, and you can do what I, I did. You can, I can walk right past that and go buy the towels that I needed to get out and, and go. Yeah. I mean, and like with Target too, I'm going to give Target a break and a little bit of credence. Uh, you know, they're a Minneapolis or a Minnesota based, um, you know, firm. They have always been a very kind of open-minded, uh, open type firm, but they are one of the biggest, biggest supporters and have been one of the biggest supporters of St. Jude, uh, you know, the children's hospital up in Memphis, you know, and I kind of look at that and I'm like, man, you know, they do So remember we're talking about the ESG, the governance and social stuff. Like, man, they do good stuff uh, with their time, their money, and their talents, too. Yes, they do some things that uh, probably piss some people off, but, man, they do some, they do some good stuff, too. Um, and now I realize that this campaign is a lot more uh, – the media has talked more about it with their, you know, carrying the gay and queer. And, you know, one of the shirts I saw was, like, the devil with the – Thing that says you know satan likes pronouns or something like that and i was like that's kind of edgy <laughs> uh to if and i never i've never seen the shirt in person i just you know saw a social media post about it um it but, just it just all strikes me as and i've told you this earlier today i sense that there's a beginning of of a common sense pushback and people, if dude, if enough people vote with their wallets, I mean, Bud Light is the perfect example of this. Then it does impact. You know, companies are responsible to their shareholders too, and sometimes I think public companies tend to forget that that they have uh, they have a responsibility to their shareholders to turn a profit. The responsibility to the shareholders is not make sure that you use all of the shareholders profits and money to you know insert or assert your political or social agendas um at the risk of of losing you know shareholder money that's never that is never the first and foremost responsibility so not and now getting kind of way out there if really you want to talk about where does the buck stop it is the ceos and board of directors responsibility that they they have a fiduciary obligation to look out for shareholder interests. Well, that's what I was. And if they're doing stuff, that's what yeah, I was getting at. Stuff that, uh, that's what I was that getting at, right? I mean, if I'm risks or jeopardize shareholder profit, then they should be fired. So my question, even was, if they're not the one that was intimately involved, the buck stops at them. Target took a hit. Target yep. re, tar, Target took a hit. They took a, a hit that shareholders felt. And so, if you're the CEO, the CFO, at some point, I'm guessing that you're saying out loud, "Hey, maybe we maybe we're going too far." Maybe we're doing too much. Maybe this was a bridge too far. Maybe because yeah. look, man, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm. This is what I was trying to decide whether I was willing to say out loud, but I'll say it. <laughs> I if, love it when it starts like this. If I'm interviewing you for a job, and I say to you, Martin, tell me about yourself. 
And the first thing you say to me is, I'm straight. I'm not hiring you. Because if the very first thing that someone says to me is that their their identity is is centered around their sexuality, you probably don't bring a lot to my table here. Sure. If I say, Martin, tell me about yourself. Well, you're going to tell me your story. And your, yeah. your story is a unique story that has nothing to do with your sexuality. You're gonna, Zero to do with my You're going to tell me about your the things that interest you. You're going to tell yeah. me about your educational background. You're going to tell me about your wife. You're going to tell me about your children. And I guess at that point when you say, well, I'm married to my wife, at that point I'm probably going to figure, hey, he's probably straight. But the truth is I was never really thinking about that. I'm looking to hire someone for my company that's going to, in an ideal world, I'm guessing, enhance my company where that person brings more value to it than what I, what I pay that person. Yeah. And I want to hear someone's why. Yeah. Why do you do what you do? Why, why do you, of all the things, all the things in the world that you could do, you know, why Martin, why are you a financial advisor? Yes. And how is that going to help my firm, you know, be a better firm by having you along with it. And, and I think, you know, people's why story, it doesn't matter what your business is. People's why story is very compelling to me. I love to hear why's, you know, and a lot of times they're not this dramatic, you know, story, but um, you know, but it's more than, I mean, it's like, I know if I ask you, Hey, Neil, why do you do what you do? You're not gonna be like, well, man, I, I need a paycheck. No, There's of course, tons of different ways you can get a paycheck, uh, of course, but not. you're good at what you do, man. Uh, and and so it's you're... and so it's what's interesting to me about like full circle is if if I'm if I'm hiring and for the record yeah. I'm not income the payroll taxes are too high to hire anybody right now, um, but if I'm hiring, <laughs> I'm not basing that hire on uh, gender or race or no I want the best person. And so if I'm running a company, I want the best people. And you're right. I mean, diversity is a good thing. But you also, you're also looking for, I don't want to put diversity in front of hiring the best people. Right. If the best people give me diversity, awesome. But so, right. Does that make, does that make sense? And so you're, I just think I, I just think we're in an interesting place. I think the the Bud Light thing, the Target thing, the pushback against even Chick Fil A. I mean, when Chick Fil A is not immune to this, Chick Fil A, yeah. for God's sake. When, well, but every company has a diversity and inclusion statement. Every right. company, every does. every and, every company does, and it's just and Chick Fil A does too. And, and I don't and know for, why people are so bent out of shape about. I, I, I'm the same way. I, I don't. I'm cool with it. Like, whatever. Right. But my my deal. Yeah. My, my deal is this. Like, okay, yeah, you have those. You have those statements. That's fine. You have that internal stuff. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, when you go to Chick Fil A, for example, and I. I'm trying to keep my weight down. I don't go to Chick-fil-A, but I, I have been through Chick-fil-A and I, I like, I admire Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A's ability to make a line go as fast as they go. The consistency yes. of their product. Um, it, it, it is, it is remarkable. Everyone notices. Yes. It. And so, you know, I have one of my daughters is just, just Chick-fil-A all the time because I see it on her discover card. Yes. I'm like, Hey, you're, you're, you're going to Chick-fil-A too much. Too um, much. <laughs> But same, same, dude. My but, kids. Yeah. But they go because the Chick Fil A, the product you're going to get in 
Oxford is the exact same one that you're going to get in Amarillo. And you're also going to get through those lines super fast. They're very efficient. And that's why you go to Chick-fil-A. You really don't. The other stuff just, it feels like, hey, but we must, we must announce these things instead of just, no, no, we're, we're going to run a business. We're going to have a really good product. We're going to try to do things the right way. We're going to be involved in our community. We're going to, all those things. But man, we, we, that's just what we're going to do. We're, we're going to deliver yep. a chicken sandwich. Well, two things. I want to talk about Chick-fil-A inclusion, and then I want to talk about Peter Phil zero to one when we're talking about diversity. All right, Chick-fil-A inclusion. If you look at Chick-fil-A, when you go, th- when you order, when you go through, a lot of times you are going to see a very diverse group of people. But there is one group or class of people that Chick-fil-A hires that you will find almost nowhere else. Nowhere else. And those are special needs staff members. Yeah. They hire and employ special needs uh, adults and give them an opportunity to have a somewhat typical life. And that's why I will I will die on the hill for Chick-fil-A with diversity and inclusion because they actually do, they put their money where their mouth is, where a lot of these, a lot of firms say it because they have to, but in the end, you look at their, you know, the, how the company is made up and it'll be predominantly white male, but these guys, you can walk through, you can have, you know, uh, someone whose English is their second language. Uh, you know, they're from a Spanish speaking community that's trying to take your order. You have someone that with down syndrome working in there. You have someone with, you know, that's low functioning autism that works in there. You have females, you have males, you have blacks, you have whites, like dude, they put their money where their mouth is. And like, so all the po- people that have, and it's mostly the conservatives that are beating Chick-fil-A up about the, you know, the DEI stuff, but they put their money where their mouth is. And the, th- the fact that they employ special needs people is kind of where I want to tell the conservative folks like, Hey dude, this is an argument that sure. you have totally lost on the front end and just stop talking. Cause you look stupid because you're, cause you don't understand the full, the full scope of it. You yeah. just look, you think that they're talking about, you know, the hiring the left because it, it is becomes politicized, especially with Chick-fil-A. It's just politicized. It is. It's totally politicized. It's, I don't even think they're the best example, really. The 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 whole Bud Light thing is a better example. Um, the, the Target, because look, I mean, when Target reacts a couple of days later and puts everything in the back, it's like, okay, wait a minute, did you not believe in it the first time? Because that's pretty wishy washy. Yeah. Major League Baseball sure. on June the first, every team except one did the the pride flag thing into their emblems on social media and within about a day everyone was bailing from it there's i think it's not and i think the pushback martin and the reason i think it happened to chick-fil-a is they got lumped in with everybody else because people are just tired of it being slammed in their faces all all the time yeah there's a lot of people that are just tired of hearing about it it's like hey we're just people don't 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 do your deal just do your thing like when i go to if i I go to a baseball game just play baseball just play baseball. Yeah. Just play baseball. You can support ideas or people without being in your face about stuff. Of course. I mean, and of that's, course. That's how it used to be. That's how, that's how it used to that's be. That's how it used to be. And it felt like a better time, frankly. Yeah. Because Man, I'm like turning into my father, dude. Well, no, but I mean, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. We have we have Pride Month. And, you know, if if I if if I were gay, I think a little part of me would be like, wait a minute. You know, we fought for rights. Yep. 
and you have them. I, I think I saw 71, 72% of, of Americans are for gay marriage, support gay marriage, think it's fine. Okay, you're never going to get 100% of anybody. I, I, I couldn't walk out on a pretty day and get 100% of people to go, it's nice out today. It's, it's, not, possible. it's not possible. So if you're getting up into the 70s, you're pretty good. You're pretty good, yeah. right? Yep. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this shouldn't be Pride Month. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm, I'm just, it's like, okay, but what exactly are, is it that you're fighting for that you're not getting precisely? Because I live in the deep south. I live in Oxford, Mississippi, and I'm just telling you that if a gay couple bought a house in my neighborhood, nobody would think anything of it. Yeah, wouldn't care. You, hell, you might have. There's a house up. The, there. There's a house up the street that that has a, a a pride flag flying off the front. Nobody. I noticed it because nobody flies any flags anymore. <laughs> I mean, I noticed the flag. I would, but I would have noticed the flag if it were a Duke Blue Devils flag. I, it just doesn't right. matter, right? My point is, I didn't see it and go, "Oh my god." I just saw it. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I mean, you know, keep running. I'm doing my thing. I didn't. I saw the people out front. They were working in their on their flower beds and stuff. I didn't stop and go. I can't believe. No, it's so whatever. You fly flag is cool. I mean, fly whatever flag you want. It might fly a Mississippi flag. Fly a pride flag. Fly a St. Louis Cardinal. That's a that's a bridge too far. Um, you know, whatever. Do whatever. Just my point is, is that I I just don't know that I don't know that people are. I think there's a, people that are kind of like, okay, enough. That's yeah, you know, kind of where I'm I going mean, with it. Maybe, and maybe this is maybe I'm way off. I just, I, I sense no, and, that. And man, I have so Jen and I have, um, we have several really good friends that are that are gay couples, guys, um, good people, um, and you know, we enjoy we enjoy seeing them, we enjoy hanging out with them, we have dinner you know, at their house and stuff like that too. And, and they, you know, I, I understand their politics are very different and we agree with each other. Like we just don't talk about politics. It's not, doesn't make any sense. We're not going to agree with each other. They know my politics. I know their politics. Um, but we just treat each other like humans and we're friends and we go sailing together and we, we do things and they're just a human. Like I don't of care course. what other people, just like you said, the very beginning of the show, Hey man, what, what you do in your bedroom or on your own accord is none of my business. It is not my business. Uh, you know, and that's kind of how I look at, at a lot of social situations is it is who am I to tell someone what they can, just like, I don't want someone to tell me what I can and can't do as long as I'm, you know, not doing anything illegal, uh, you know, or, or putting a child in harm's way or something like that. Like, I don't want people telling me what I can and can't do. I just want to be able to, you know, I go to work, I pay my taxes, uh, I want to hang out with my family, and I don't want someone telling me, you know, how I should run my life or how I should live. And, yeah, or how you and should I don't think, think or anything like that. Right, exactly. Or how I should think. And I don't think that, I think that the bulk of our listeners and people in America are probably the exact same way, but you just get the really loud extremes that take up most of the the airwaves and um i always use the football quick, analogy or sorry go ahead i use the football sidelines analogy i think if you just listen to media you would think that we have a country where everybody is either on this sideline or on this sideline and there's nobody actually in the field if you will yeah when in reality i think most of the people are in the field like they're yeah. you know they're on one side of the field or whatever but they're kind of in the field i mean 
I, I know my views generally, socially, politically, et cetera. I mean, I'd like to think that I'm this pioneer, but I'm, I'm not. I'm, 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 I represent probably the masses. Like, I won't <laughs> yeah. get into all of them, but like the main, the main things that I hear debated all the time, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm sort of in the middle on that. And yeah, I'm, I'd yep. kind of be in the middle for that. I like, I, I've, I've used this one as an example before gun control. Okay. Yeah. I'm, kind of for kind of for some gun control probably think probably some need to be some pretty regulations on some things now yeah i I saw what happened in 2020 and i get why there's a hey can't give them an inch because they'll ask for another inch and if you give them two inches they're going to ask for three and then they're going to ask for a foot and then a yard and then i I get it i I 100 see that i do i I totally get it um you know i i told you the other day i thought I thought DeSantis was in trouble when he signed that six-week act in in Florida. And and on one hand, I can sit here and go, you know, I'm pro-life. And on the other hand, I'm like, but I can understand why, you know, I, I get it. And I think I represent most people that yeah, views are sort of in the middle on stuff. Yeah. Except for taxes. Dude. I want low taxes. I want low yeah. taxes. And if that means we have to cut some entitlement, so be it. Whatever. My point is that that... We can't even have debates anymore in our country. It's one of the reasons we're so screwed up right now is you can't yes. have a you can't have a debate in our country right now because if right. you have a view that is not that's nuanced, it's oh you're a racist, you're a bigot. It's like no, I just but well, dude, and that's like you know it's like the people say, hey, you can either have black or white, you can have salt or pepper, but that's not how life is. Right, it is always gray and and a mix. Uh, you know, it's, and it's not, it's not a two, it's not two, it's, it's not one or the other. It is usually uh, a mixture. Uh, one of the things Peter Thiel wrote this book called zero to one. We read it in my book club last month and, uh, I'd read it before. So it was good to go back through it. But one of the things, just talking about diversity, one of the things, the, the whole, the book is about startups. Like how did, how did successful startups, you know, begin? They talked about you know, mostly technology related stuff. They talked about PayPal. They talked about Apple, you know, Microsoft, blah, 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 you know, all the players. One of the things that he said, which was really compelling to me is when you're a startup, you have very limited resources, but you need to get off the ground and running pretty quickly, or, you know, your chances of failure are, are pretty high. And when he was talking about assembling the teams and he talked about how important teams are, He's like, you, you do not need to think about diversity. You need, to, you need to have people that are similarly personal to you that have the same mission, same mindset, and same uh, appetite for what you're doing to get it launched, or you'll never launch. Like if you go in from the beginning, he said like diversity and having big boards is for large publicly traded companies. That is not for small business. He's like, if you have a small business with a board, the ideal number is three. Not nine, not for profits are not what we what we're looking for. If you need to, if you're a nimble startup, you need to have similarly uh, personal, personable people to you that have the same mission, the same appetite, same energy, same enthusiasm, that are willing to do the work. And the more you have, the less likely you're going to get it done. And I was like, damn. I mean, that struck me as pretty profound. You know, a guy who was he taught this at Stanford. This was a class at Stanford, and he's telling his students. Do not have diversity. 
in your startup and you think about like Silicon Valley and the startup world, like, I'm like, man, those people probably have, you know, the most diversity of, uh, of the entire nation, especially in California with as many different cultures as exist there. Um, but he was like, man, it is not about black and white. It is about, you know, having like-minded, similar, similar people with the same appetite, same enthusiasm to get your company launched or you're going to fail. And that's simple as that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I can tell you in my, in my work, especially, you know, when not like right now, when things dial down a little, when football season, basketball season, the overlap of seasons, when you're going, we don't have, I don't have time to think about anything like that. I, I yeah. are you kidding? And I, I, I think again, that's representative of, I just don't think most people go through their day upset. They're, they're just trying to get through their day. They're trying to be productive and get home. And like you said, you know, get home and have time with the family and, and you, they're not yep. think they're not thinking about these things that are just being bombarded constantly by media outlets and such. And maybe this is just a, so the, the difference might very well be nothing more than social media. A, gen- I think, a, I think so, a generation I think ago, we, we didn't have it, you know, so you didn't, you, we didn't talk yeah. about all this stuff because you didn't, the truth is you didn't think about it back then either. Yeah. And I'm sure all this stuff existed, you know, 20 years ago too. We just didn't have instant access 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You know, the American dream was go to work, make a good living, you know, have a family, spend time with your family, you know, every now and then. And, uh, you know, now it's, you know, the American dream, I think, still exists, but we just have so much noise and distraction uh, from what the American dream is that people for we have been told that our dream is wrong. Uh, and at the core, I mean, I think, again, you poll, um, you poll the bulk of America, then the American dream is still very much alive. You see it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You, you see it everywhere. Um yeah. All right. We'll stop there before I get in more trouble. Uh, I, I, <laughs> cool. Like, and I, I don't, as I sit here, I think I, I didn't say anything all that profound, but I'm sure I said something that, that offended somebody because anything that you say uh, now is offensive. So it's, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't think that we said anything that was offensive to, I think we were pretty balanced on this show, man. I, I played a lot of devil's advocate. Uh, and I think we were, we were, we were pretty balanced. Although people may listen and say, no, you guys are bigots and, yeah, and- there would be people that would say that, and, and my response would simply be uh, like what I was telling you at the very beginning. I mean, if 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 I'm investing my money, I'm investing it because I I want it to grow, I want it to work, I want to be able to retire, I want to be able to leave something for my children, right? I mean, the the, the, the things that are pretty basic things. I don't think those are bigoted ideas. In fact, I know they're not. I mean, we saw last week. I mean, Sam Ponder the female uh, sportscaster on ESPN just came out in support of Riley Gaines and someone at ESPN, you know, no, no, not, not, not at ESPN, although someone at ESPN liked it, but an associated press writer called her a bigot. You're a bigot for supporting women's sports. How's that work? Just it's fascinating times. I just, I don't know. Again, we'll end up talking a lot of politics over the next year because there's a, you might have heard, there's a presidential election next November that feels like it's kind of monumental. 
Well, dude, I just saw that Pence threw his name in the in the race too. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting for the Republicans. I'm and I'm just dying to see what what the Democrats are gonna are gonna do if uh, if if Joe is if they're gonna go with Joe and they're going with Joe. Uh, if he's if he's alive, they're going with Joe. He's he is easily their simplest candidate. He's the one with the clearest path to winning the White House. He's already in the White House. Yeah. Um, the majority of the American populace doesn't sit and watch news. They don't. They just sort of go along, and 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 he he he's quite frankly, I mean, we've talked about this so many times, and we'll stop. We'll do it another, maybe next week we'll dive into it, or later this week we'll dive into it. That if if I'm advising the Democrats right now, it's, hey, I realize this isn't the best ticket in the world, Biden-Harris, but we're in power. Let's let the Democrats, slug, I mean, let the Republicans slug it out. Let Trump go after DeSantis. Let's see if we get in a situation where they have to have a debate where Trump and Pence and DeSantis and Nikki Haley and all of those people get up on the on the stage together and just flog one another. Let's let them do it. Let's just sit back. Let's get in the bunker, if you will. Let them kill each other. And as of right now, every single poll points towards the one candidate that the Republicans will run who has no chance to win in a in a national election, and that's Trump. And I say no chance. It's a very slim chance. You're convincing people who have been convinced not to vote for him to suddenly flip and vote for him, which is hard. Right. That's hard to do, as opposed to getting a guy like DeSantis or Nikki Haley or, or uh, Tim Scott, people who've never run for national office before. To There's not a lot of animus built up against those people. Might not vote for them, but I don't know that anybody has enough animus to get out and go, you know what, man, I, this Tim Scott guy, he cannot be president. I'm going to go vote for whoever against him so that he won't win. There is that against Trump in spades. Yep. I mean, I think, I think Trump's got a really, if he wins the, the primaries, he's got a really tough road in the general. Um, but we'll see, uh, we'll see how the, We'll see how the chips fall, man, because I think he's probably got to, especially if all the Democrats hop over and vote in Republican primaries and vote for Trump. Um, he's got, I think he's got a pretty good chance of winning the primaries, which I just I don't think it's the right thing, but I think he's got a good chance of it. I do, too. All right. Before we uh, head out, how can people get in touch with you guys? Um, man, old school phone is great. 601-957-0323. Uh, most people do reach out to us through email or most of the listeners that have reached out to us have reached out to us through email. Uh, and that's info at my P I N N wealth.com. All right. We will, uh, we'll stop it there. And, uh, cool. I don't, we haven't even discussed our plans for later in the week. We might, are we doubling up this week and getting back on schedule or what's your, I'm good, man, I'm good with that. If you want to, or sure. if you say, Hey, we, we did a, we did this one for the week. It's I'm, I'm available okay. Thursday. So. All right. We'll, We'll see what happens on Thursday. We'll see what the week looks like, and and we'll go from there. So for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Thanks for making us a part of your week, a part of your day. Uh, Don't forget, we'll be back. uh, Like he said, mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. Until next time, for Martin, I'm Neil. Take care.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.